0: Welcome to the On Premise IT Podcast, the only show that dares to be both on topic or on premise and on location, on premises, sometimes. Each time we meet, we bring together a group of IT luminaries to discuss a single topic or premise. In this episode, sponsored by Hammerspace, we'll be discussing a hybrid cloud storage and specifically the question of whether or not real hybrid cloud storage even exists. But before we get to that premise, let's quickly meet who's on the panel today.
1: Hi, I'm Enrique Nuretti. I'm lead storage analyst for uh, Geekyam.
2: Hi, I'm Chris Evans. You can find me at Architecting IT. I'm an analyst and a technologist, I guess.
3: And I'm Molly Presley. I am responsible for the marketing department at Hammerspace.
0: And I'm Stephen Foskett, uh, publisher of Gestalt IT and the organizer of the Tech Field Day events. You can find me at S. Foskett on social media networks. So now that we've uh, had a chance to introduce ourselves, let's dive right in. All of us are pretty up to date on storage uh, by all means. All three of you have known for quite a while in the storage industry. And of course, all of us are deeply interested in cloud storage. But you know, these days, a lot of uh, cloud deployments, especially in the enterprise, are what are so-called hybrid. In other words, something that mixes on-premises and remote uh, concepts, technologies, providers, uh, underlying infrastructure, et cetera. Um, just to get us kicked in uh, here on this topic, Molly, maybe we'll start with you talking a little bit about what is uh, hybrid cloud storage to you?
3: You know, it's an interesting question because we've talked about it for a long time, ever since the advent of the cloud came about, you know, there was this initial pendulum of, oh my gosh, will everyone move everything to the cloud and data centers go away? And we all learned quickly that won't be the case, but certainly the cloud is an important part of just about every IT infrastructure in some way or another. And so as companies started to think about mixing them and having data in the data center and data in the cloud. I think that's where the genesis of the concept of hybrid cloud came about but then over the past decade or so there's been a lot of different things that mean are we talking about hybrid cloud computing are we talking about hybrid cloud data storage are we talking about moving data between or two separate infrastructures and i think that's where a lot of the confusion comes in
1: no i think i think that uh, if uh, it is very important today to define you know a, a few aspects of this hybrid cloud i mean so where I need my data, uh, how can I access it? And of course, I want to access it immediately because, because you know moving data across long distances is very very difficult. So it's not that having the same platform deployed on two different environments makes uh, it an hybrid cloud infrastructure. Okay, so th- these are two separate silos in the end. So uh, we need mechanisms to. Uh, simplify and you know and uh, somehow idle the complexity in the backend to move and access data between different locations. This is my first opinion at least.
3: I would also add that I think perspectives on what hybrid cloud needs to be is different from a user or application view versus an IT person's view that um, when you think about a user just wants their data. They don't care where it is, they don't have to mess around with moving it around. Applications need access to data, um, and we have to provide that to them in some sort of automated fashion. But then the IT team has many, many things they have to think about as far as latency, performance, cost, um, you know, who do they have supply chain contracts with, etc. But generally the application user doesn't care about any of that. They just want access to their data.
2: If I could just t- take us back a step, <clears throat> excuse me, a little, I'd just like to try and get an idea of what we think we mean by hybrid. So. When I think of a hybrid car, I think of a car that might have a petrol or a gas engine, if you want to call it that, diesel engine, but it ultimately uses the battery power to um, improve that in some way. Either it extends the distance or it makes it more efficient, or you can charge it and reduce cost. So what does it mean when we say hybrid storage? I think initially we might have thought that that was the ability to extend our data model into the cloud so we could take advantage of, say, computing the cloud that was either cheaper or we would burst to it, all that sort of stuff. So I think the initial idea of what we thought hybrid cloud might be, I don't think really existed because, you know, go back 10 years and when people were talking about bursting, I don't think, I think they were talking about it, but it didn't really exist. So I think getting to the premise of what hybrid means is really important because it helps us understand that we're talking about something that joins two things together, theoretically to make it better than it would have been if we were operating them independently.
0: That's a real good point, because, of course, as you you mentioned, you know, a hybrid uh, vehicle or a hybrid anything is a combination of two things that results in, well, something that's unique from both of those uh, source things. Right. I mean, a hybrid car is not an electric or a, you know, fuel powered car. It's a it's it's its own animal and a hybrid animal or hybrid whatever is the same kind of thing. And yet, most uh, hybrid cloud infrastructure, I think, is more like one of the two than than not. So, you know, I think that, that we have that so-called outside-in uh, look that takes what's in, you know, kind of done in the cloud outside of the data center and brings it into the data center, or the inside-out approach where you, you you take what's done inside the data center and bring it out toward the cloud um is it true that hybrid is uh, a hybrid cloud storage is a thing that's unique from what you're already doing in the data center or in the cloud
1: if i i mean if i can use again the the example of the car i mean if you buy a tesla today oh, actually tesla is not is not really an hybrid car but if you buy an, an hybrid car you you drive the hybrid car like a traditional car there is no change in that so uh no matter you know, if it's running the the at, at that specific moment the the gas engine or the or the electric engine. I mean, me as a user, I, I really don't know. Uh, you know, a lot of, of cars. I need the basic. My my wife is the same. So we just turn the key and start. Uh, you know, riding this car. So for many user, it has to be the same. I mean, no matter. know how we use the car and how far we go with this car whatever we don't want to think about too much about the uh layer underneath and this is actually what many many uh enterprises are asking so they are asking uh, to build something that goes beyond uh, the traditional storage so uh, the the traditional storage on premises made of components and uh, And they want a model where they have the same interfaces, the same protocols, the same, uh, uh, the same everything, including the same data, available everywhere. So that's that's a point. Probably now, yes, uh, to the point of, you know, when Chris was talking about the first idea we had of hybrid was to move data in the backend depending on you know cost needs or you know tiering and stuff. That's true. Now probably we are a step, um, you know, a step further in this development of the hybrid cloud. So where we have a, a layer on top that is common to uh, to different environments, and then underneath there is or there are engines or whatever that move data and and uh, you know create all these links where they are necessary, so that uh, you have this transparency.
3: I kind of like how, I like this analogy to the hybrid vehicle. And I think the way Chris articulated of, you want the best of both technologies, but kind of integrate it in all in one where it's easy to do. And then as Enrico talks about, people want the same interfaces and things to be the same. I agree with that too. But where I think hybrid cloud has not really realized the true goal of what people want it is, just because I have an NFS interface, for example, and it's the same version of NFS everywhere, if I have to have my applications connect to 10 different NFS interfaces, and when the data is moved from one storage environment to another, um, just having NFS is not enough. It's really like that idea of, I want to just have to connect my application to NFS one time. And like Enrico said, have one copy of data, no matter where it's stored, that really people wanted. But it's turned out that that's not really how hybrid cloud at least initially came about.
2: I think I'd like to see um abstraction of the underlying interfaces, and I think that is really important because Enrique has already highlighted why that would make sense from you know APIs and provisioning and all the rest of it. But then we've got the whole challenge around things like uh, cost, cost model, understanding how to move data around physically, which is extremely hard because of something called the you know the speed of light, uh, data inertia, whatever you want to call it, those sort of things present challenges in there. So it's more than this is more than just saying I'm going to move some data to the cloud, use it, move it back because that's not really giving you up the hybrid opportunity. You really want to see all your data in one place, theoretically. So it looks like it's all in one place all of the time, and know that whenever you decide to use something new, like you see a new GPU or you see a new service in a cloud provider, that your endpoint, as you just said, Molly, the, you know the endpoint of NFS is just made available. So that you consume that endpoint and you expect security and everything else that is in there to go with it. That's actually a really hard thing to do. And going back to our premise, I don't think there's really a lot of people out there who are managing to achieve that to the degree that the the end user wants.
1: Well, if we can't add to it, this is anyway something that everybody wants. I mean, when you talk with, uh, it's a dream. So having your application moving where it's more convenient for you. Okay, so everybody talks about ah, I'm moving sixty percent, fifty percent of my infrastructure uh, to the cloud in the next few years. That's great, but actually many of these uh, guys are also moving back some other parts that they thought were more, much more, you know, convenient to to run in the cloud. When they discover, well, actually not, and they rethink about it. So they want data back uh, as well as the applications. So there are a lot of initiatives now to build these layers of compatibility and 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 one of the benefits of, of kubernetes for example for new application is that if you're developing a new application on kubernetes kubernetes is a layer that more or less is you know very similar no matter where you are deploying your application the problem again is the data you don't have if you don't have the right layer to move the data or to give this resemblance of of you know uh, access transparency, so that you can um, move access the data as it was locally, then everything falls apart. But actually, if you are you know starting to think in this way, so moving the application and the data with a layer that abstracts the cloud underneath and the on premises infrastructure, that is really compelling.
2: Yeah, I I would add one little bit to that, and I think. And that is to say, I suspect that when people first started talking about the idea of hybrid, we thought about it in terms of that final goal, the idea that Enrico's talking about, about, you know, you move data to where you want it, you can have it available whenever you need it, you can just spin up an app in a cloud provider. But in reality, most uh, enterprises really would struggle with that because they'd have to have the skills to support all those different platforms They'd have to have incredibly complicated cost models that would tell them that it was worth moving between these different platforms. So I think initially we started off with something quite simple. But over time, that maturity is going to come. And the, the, the further we go down that path, the more we're going to be able to exploit that um, capability if we have the ability to move data around. And, and therefore, there's going to be a set of criteria come out which we're going to have to look at and say, does my platform of choice fit this set of criteria. And if it doesn't, you won't be able to do it.
3: The other thing I think that happened through this timeframe as all of this was evolving was a lot of existing technologies that were designed for the data center you know, on the vendor side, tried to expand out to the cloud. So every vendor, when AWS launched S3 and launched their services, tried to figure out, okay, how do we make our technologies part of this movement? And so there was a lot of implementations of trying to take a file system or an erasure coding scheme or whatever it was and make it cloud appropriate. But that led to a lot of things that were, is only isolated vendor to vendor. You couldn't use other technologies or when it was time to use other technologies, it was a data migration, not a data extension. So I think part of it also was through this evolution newer technologies over the last decade have started to be developed to help accomplish what really this goal has been that we've been talking about, um, where initially it was really just placing data center technologies in a place where they weren't initially designed for.
2: So just touching on the hybrid story one more time, um I'd add one little piece into that and that's this whole idea of range anxiety when you buy a car that's got an electric component compared to, to diesel when you can go out and find or petrol when you can find a station to fill up anywhere you like. I think there's an angle of um, cloud anxiety when it comes to things like costs, because we know that things like ingest is, ex- is ex- uh, sorry, um, egress is expensive, ingest tends not to be. So there's another layer on top of this that, that needs, there needs to be technology that can actually look at the cloud and say, how do we optimize where we place our physical data versus the virtual implementation of that to make sure that we don't suddenly get that horrible shock when the bill comes through, because somebody who didn't need to know the technical details under the cover decided to move a few petabytes out somewhere else to do some experiment, you know that's the sort of thing that we're going to have to see built into the solutions and the question is you know I guess our discussion is, are we there yet? you know how far down that
1: route are we? well, I, I would add that you know, yes, cost is a problem, security is another huge problem now so and it to start from the same base discussion, basic discussion, I mean. So you, are, you have somebody moving stuff around. You have, you know, uh, who is accessing the data. Now the, the environment is much more complex and it's also, uh, you know, much more distributed if, if we think about multiple clouds and your on-premises environment. So how do you keep control of all of this? Are there policies to, to make sure that the data is where you want it to be?
2: Yeah it goes it goes deep doesn't it enrico that side of things when you're looking at the metadata that's assigned to all the data that you're trying to manage because inevitably and we've seen it for decades people create multiple copies those copies get copies of copies created and then you lose track of what is the original copy and then the copy that you thought was a copy of some other copy somebody says oh we might need that copy so then you archive that copy and now you've got 20 copies of of an original set of data all slightly modified, all slightly different, all of which you're retaining because you didn't have a way of extending the, the schema around how you stored and managed that data to make sure it was kept efficiently. And if you look at, say, some of the platforms like S3, and this is not to pick on S3 particularly, it's not going to go any, do any de for you. So even if those copies are almost exactly the same, actually what you're going to store is 20 copies of that data. So there's a that to me I think is a is a big problem that we haven't really got on top of yet. how we apply metadata to, to some of this content to make hybrid truly work properly. yeah
3: you know just one of the experiences I've seen on this side from thinking from the business and application user side was you think about this copy proliferation and there's a lot of costs and compliance and things associated with it but um there was a article I read about a manufacturer of airplanes who through this process, what ended up happening is they didn't actually know which was the gold copy and they began to build parts on the incorrect par- copy and they didn't fit when the time came, you know? So there's a business problem of not knowing which is your master gold copy of data as well as an IT problem around, you know, cost and complexity and all of those other pieces.
0: I think a lot of this comes down to the fact that a lot of cloud infrastructure and cloud protocols and cr- cloud solutions Just that whole DevOps mindset is uh, sort of a clean sheet design that ignores a lot of the lessons that uh, those of us with a little bit of grayer hair have learned about data management over the over the years, and so it makes a lot of sense. I mean, uh, object store, you know, cloud object store protocols make a ton of sense, except that enterprise uh, data management has tried to solve these problems many different ways in the past and has found that they need. Um, Well, things like deduplication and, you know, sort of uh, different versions and so on. Now, a lot of that can be implemented using cloud protocols. And in fact, cloud protocols and object stores may actually be a better solution for implementing those long desired enterprise goals than file systems or certainly than block storage. But that doesn't mean that they're part of the platform. And I think that this is another one of those, those things because... You know to, to bang on the uh, hybrid car metaphor once again the best thing about you know like a hybrid car like the Toyota Prius or something is that you just take it and drive it like a car and it just works better you don't have to learn about it in fact the more you try to learn about it the worse it's going to work you really just want to drive it and that it just works mm-hmm. and and that ideally would be where we were going with hybrid cloud. But I want to come back to Molly here and um, and and think about Hammerspace because, you know, it, it's surprising maybe to some people that we would be coming with this premise with you because don't y'all make hybrid cloud storage?
3: <laughs> you know, um, we do. And we intentionally don't call it that because of this confusion that we've all talked about, that if we came out with yet another hybrid cloud storage or hybrid, you know, people would say, okay, well, we have many of those wouldn't realize that there's something different. And so the term that we've been using is global data environment. And more that that's a goal of what people want is to have this global data environment where you can just connect users into a namespace to an NFS mount point, SMB, whatever it is. And from a user and application perspective, that happens once. And they can see all of their organization's data, no matter where it sits, an object store, a Net filer, a pure storage array, you know, whatever it is, different Azure services. And the goal of this is to create this environment where IT can manage everything underneath that namespace, the cost, how many copies do I need? Do they need to be located across fault lines for a DR? That can be IT decisions that are done separate from the users who just can connect to this data environment. You set a policy once on what which data can they see? And then from there, they just do their work. And um, it's a really tough technology to build. And we've had the luxury of Hammerspace started building this technology after hybrid cloud was launched in the market. And we're able to take a look at, okay, what do users really want? And how is it really working? And they built the, the technology from scratch to do that. Um, versus having something that they had to modify, which there's nothing wrong with modifying, but we were we were able to build this from scratch to meet the needs of what is the goal of a hybrid environment, um, and try to make it such that, that we have a technology that meets some of the problems that have been difficult, like a global namespace, which is across different storage services, different storage vendors. You know, the te- applications that can just run and if you want that new application in the cloud but your data sits in the data center it's easy for that application to connect to it so we definitely designed around the goals of a hybrid environment but have a new approach and how to meet some of these challenges I'd be interested to see you know Enrico and Chris mean we I of course always am a little bit um, you know biased because of the company I work for but from your perspectives what are your thoughts on how do we solve these problems
1: well in general i think that uh uh, every good hybrid cloud solution has to think along the line that you know data is distributed underneath anyway there is need a lot of data management that is usually not provided by uh many solutions in the market i mean uh so where data is has to be positioned visibility etc also this is really necessary to improve the security of this solution. So in general, you know, the abstraction is necessary to give this uh, user experience that is consistent across any cloud and also data access that is consistent across any cloud. And underneath, yes, I, I, I probably need to use, you know, native, uh, uh, native you know, storage capacity. like. Uh, in many cases, it's useless to go and say I want to install an additional component on, on that cloud when, for capacity, raw capacity, you have maybe a three is good enough, or maybe another storage resource. It, that that becomes your hardware in the end. And uh, so, from this point of view, it's really interesting to see that you know the need is there. Company wants to have access of. Of their data from different clouds on premises and everything uh but really we are starting only now to see the first set of solution that really make a difference uh, especially from day one day two when when it's you know you start really deploying the application and you really need to you know to execute on on this strategy of moving application and that around
2: yeah i think go back to that expression that people use quite regularly um, and that's own the data and rent the cloud so you know that that disaggregation of your data from compute so that you can exploit the best of all the different cloud platforms including what might be your own data center cloud if you like I, and i think from a solution we need a number of different layers so at the bottom layer we need efficient storage management so the use of actual physical resources whether they're in the cloud whether they're in uh, the on-prem data center and it needs to be to the level where it's abstracted away enough to allow you to move physical data around and optimize on that platform. We could, we could spend an entire podcast talking about how that could work or what that should be, but you know we don't really need to do that. Next layer up, you really want to start um, thinking about metadata and every piece of data you've got in there needs to have metadata associated with it so that you can actually do the next piece, which is apply policy. Because if you don't have the metadata and an understanding of what the content relates to, you can't apply policy at a business level. And at that point, you totally abstract away from the need to understand the, the infrastructure. And now you're applying policy to meet the business needs. So the business says, I want this data here, I want to use it for this purpose, you give them that ability. Overarching all of that, I think in the modern environment, are standard things like performance, cost, all of those aspects you still need to deal with. But ultimately, you're building a layered um, set of um, functions that abstract you further away, like Enrico said, and give you that flexibility to consume the resources you want where you want.
3: I think those are interesting perspectives. And I'm glad you brought up metadata, Chris. One of the things we talked about throughout this conversation was it's tough to move data. How do you even move you know, that petabyte and those types of things? And... One of the great things about metadata is it's also light it's very small and it's easy to move around or make available in multiple places without having to solve that data movement problem and i think that's a great part of the solution um like you said we could talk about this for hours but the other piece that i would just add is um you know the concept of making this as open and standards-based as possible so that everybody can use that same interface everybody can you know that once you set up these environments you don't have to go down a lot of proprietary paths to connect, to move, to find. The metadata um, standards are not don't exist and we've all talked about them forever. And you know that will make things a lot easier for the customers too that if in this hybrid environment, everybody's playing by the same playbook that they'll be much more successful in these hybrid strategies as well would be my thought. If
2: I can just come back on the metadata question very quickly, um, I think when we look at the cloud, The cloud gives us the ability to create stuff, build stuff so dynamically and so quickly. You know, a team can take a credit card, go and build up a Kubernetes cluster, test something, deal with it, finish it, chop it, throw it away. They could be creating data over the course of, say, 30 minutes, an hour, a couple of hours. And you're not going to want to get somebody involved in offering that storage to that user before they do that, because they might just want to run a test just to see how something works. But what you do want to do is, if they then say, I need to keep that data until next month, because that might be quite relevant to me, you need tagging, you need metadata that says who did that, who created it, when was it created, what platform, so that if you need to go back and find that for them, or you need to then archive it, or just delete it at some point, you can do that in a much more automated fashion. It's those sort of things I see metadata being really useful, Molly.
0: Well, thank you very much for this wonderful discussion. It's really been thought provoking. Before we go, uh, where can we connect with each of you and follow your thoughts on on these topics? Yes, it's easy. Uh, You can connect with me by
1: following uh, uh, my work on gigam.com or just by searching my name on Google. It's easier than finding all the social media links that uh, uh, I have to share. And uh, and, uh, by the way, we are going to have a new version of our Cloud File Systems report really in uh, next month.
2: Okay. I recommend you don't bother searching me, uh, my name on um, social media, because you'll find too many other people of similar names. So if you want to find me on Twitter, it's Chris M. Evans. If you want to look at content and stuff I've written, just go to architecting.it and you'll find lots of stuff there. And, I, and actually, I'll put up a separate link on the homepage, which will allow you to find all of the data mobility and other things that we've been talking about today.
3: And then on the Hammerspace side, of course, our corporate website is just hammerspace.com. A few things I might point you to though, our blog, which is hammerspace.com slash blog talks a lot about a lot of our perspectives on this evolving way that people need to use their data to meet their business and innovation challenges. Um, If you check out our YouTube page for Hammerspace, you'll also see a lot of videos about the technical integrations we've done. And I bring that up because often it, uh, has a lot of work that they do to put these kinds of environments in place, but the users are used to working with their own sets of tools and workflow management, whether it's asset managers or things like that. And you can see how Hammerspace is integrating with the upstream applications to make the data, the metadata movement um, all integrated with the tools that the applications and users are accustomed to.
0: And as for me, you'll find me at gestaltit.com, as well as hosting the Tech Field Day events. And uh, speaking of Tech Field Day, I will point out as well that Hammerspace has presented a lot of great technical content. So if you Google Hammerspace and Tech Field Day, you'll find lots of great videos of, uh, with a deep dive into the technology we've been discussing. So thank you very much for joining us for this episode of the On-Premise IT Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please do uh, give us a subscription and a rating and a review in your favorite podcast application, and uh, please do share this show with your friends. This podcast was brought to you by our friends at Hammerspace, as well as gestaltit.com, your home for IT coverage from across the enterprise. For show notes and more episodes, go to gestaltit.com slash podcast.